What's up, guys? Thanks for checking out the podcast. This is your host, Dan Giffen. Before we get started with today's episode with Ari Herstand, which is going to be great, uh, I want to give you a couple updates. First of all, if you have never heard of or been to Ableton's annual conference, Loop, they just announced it's going to be in Berlin. It's a three-day summit for music makers. Berlin is where Ableton's headquarters are. It's going to be from April 24th to the 26th, 2020. Uh, they've got a big lineup of amazing artists using next level technology and all kinds of different people sharing tips and things. It was honestly one of the most inspiring events I've ever been to when I went in 2019. Highly recommend it. It's an application process to go. So you can apply, just go to ableton.com and you can find out more about the event. Definitely encourage you to sign up and apply to go. Uh, it would be worth the ticket and the trip. It'll be an amazing time. I'll be there and the whole Ableton family will be there. Also wanted to give you a quick heads up with Live Producers Online, my website where I teach and train and help people reach their goals producing music using Ableton Live. Uh, I am actually opening up the membership now. So all of the courses, every, every webinar, everything that I have done or other Ableton certified trainers have done on the website is now accessible for the monthly membership. Price will go up in the future, but right now you can access all courses, downloads, webinars, everything. Uh, right now, starting with the basic plan, $50 a month. You'll also have access to a private Facebook group to get ongoing support for all your Ableton Live questions from me and other trainers. So check that out, liveproducersonline.com. I'm super excited for today's episode with Ari Herstand. Uh, he's taught me a lot of different things as far as the music industry goes. He has a new book coming out we're gonna talk about. And uh, even though he is not an Ableton producer himself, uh, he still has a lot of wisdom to share with all of us who are making music. So yeah, it's gonna be a great episode. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Ableton Music Producer Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Giffen. And today I am super excited. We have Ari Herstand on the podcast. It's been a long time coming. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for joining the podcast, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, same. For anybody who doesn't know Ari, uh, he's a singer-songwriter, a music industry expert. He is the author of the best-selling How to Make It in the New Music Business book. And he's coming out with a new version very, very soon, which we're going to talk about a lot today. And I'm excited for that. I read your previous edition and it was super helpful for me. Booking shows, just growing my following online, doing a lot of awesome. things as an independent artist. Um, but uh, Ari's also performed tons of shows around the country. He's opened for artists like Ben Folds, Cake, Matt Nathanson, and others. He's the leader of the band Brassroots District, which mm -hmm. is really cool. I'm also really into funk music. And, nice. uh, you also run the successful blog, Ari'sTake.com, which is great for anybody who wants to sharpen up their music industry news of sorts in different ways as an artist. I also feel like we have some more things in common. Like I, I know you used to work at Starbucks. I yeah. Also, I also did as well. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I was terrible at my job because like I was yeah. so the right brain creative ADD kid growing up. So like I couldn't task anything and I was just running mm -hmm. circles, making lattes. Oh yeah. I was, I was writing songs from behind the bar. I was humming. I'd, I'd lose track. I'd like get on, I'd get on a kick and there'd be like a line of 12 drinks just lined up and yeah. I'd be sitting here just like, Oh wait, this is the end. I'd be like, you know, pulling out my yeah. phone to try to write lyrics real quick. And yeah. they'd be yelling at me. I'm like, Oh man, this is, this is not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the moment where you're like, maybe I should just pursue music instead. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Was, yeah, man, for sure. 
Yeah. Just tell us a little bit more about yourself for people who maybe don't know much about you at all. Like how did you get started with music and like summarize how that led you to where you're at today, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I started my music career in Minneapolis. Um, I actually went to school, uh, at the university of Minnesota, uh, as initially as a classical trumpet and music education major to be a high school band director someday. Um, but very quickly when I got there, I realized I did not want to be a high school music teacher. And I kind of started performing, um, around the university of Minnesota as a singer songwriter. And then I realized like, I need to be a performing uh, musician. I need to be a songwriter. This is what I want to do. Um, and so I transferred to a music industry school where I studied music business and songwriting in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I, uh, I was in, I got in and out of there in a year and a half. And, but this was now right around the, uh, 2005 or so. And so what we were learning in music business classes there was kind of how the industry had operated up until that point. And so mind you, what they taught us there was basically the only way to have a career in music successfully is to get a record deal and to get signed. And so this is what I I was taught in school. And so, you know, we spent, um, one of our classes, the entire class was how to negotiate a major record label contract. I'm like, sweet. So I like, I got out of school. I'm like, I am set. I I know I need to get a, a record deal and I know how to negotiate it. So as soon as I finished school, I'm like, all right, where's my record deal. I'm ready to right. start my music career. Right. <laughs> Cause they didn't tell tuition. you <laughs> exactly. They're like, yeah. they didn't say how to get the deal. They're just like, Oh, if you want to be a musician, you have to get a deal. I'm like, okay, cool. So where's my deal. And, yeah. um, and that was like kind of the traditional thinking was just like, that's just what everyone said. And that's what all the music business books were teaching. So I got out and I realized very quickly that like, all right, I have two options here. I can, um, either sit around and wait to uh, get this so-called, you know, this, this record deal that they said has to come, or I can kind of figure out how to make a music career happen on my own. So I chose the latter and I just started figuring shit out on my own and figuring out how to build a music career. And, you know, I started in Minneapolis, but then, um, built up around the Midwest and then, and then, um, around the country. And it, it, you know, I might, I got to a point where I was drawing 800 people to my shows in Minneapolis. I was selling out shows in a five state region, touring quite a bit, getting songs placed on TV shows, charting on iTunes, doing this all independently without a record label, without a manager, without a booking agent, kind of just figuring that out as I went, you know, making a ton of mistakes, but, but making it work. And after a while I started to get a bunch of questions from other musicians initially in the Minneapolis scene, but then around the country, as I was touring more colleges and high schools and festivals and stuff like that, uh, asking me questions like how I was doing this, like without any help and any support, like, how are you, how'd you get a song on TV? And like, how did you book this tour? And yo, you, how did you sell out that show? And, and then, but they'd also ask me like, um, you know, Hey, this manager approached me. Is this a, should I sign this contract or is this a good deal? Or, uh, you know, I'm working out this, this deal with this club and I would get back to everybody, but then word spread that if you have a question about the music business, go ask Ari. And so I started, my inbox was just flooded with, with messages from musicians all over the country. And it got to a point where I just didn't have time to respond to everybody. So I, uh, my brother's a web developer and we just kind of put up this blog, Ari's take, and basically all the answers to the most frequently asked questions I put up there. And then 
anytime I learned anything in my career, I would write about it. So if I got screwed by a club last night at a show, I'm like, yo, this is what happened to me. Don't let this happen to you. Here's how to prevent that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like real simple stuff or like I got my song on a TV show. I'm like, Hey, this is how I got my song on a TV show. And this is how you can too. Yeah. And it, cause like, you know, I don't believe in competition in the music industry. I believe that a rising tide lifts all ships. I believe yeah. that we are one big musician community together and that we're stronger when we work together mm-hmm. and that we don't like hoard information and like, yeah. we don't try to, you know, like yeah. spite others or anything. Right. So, um, I was really interested in, in passing along the, the knowledge that I was gaining. And then, um, you know, our East take kind of took off because there really weren't other resources out there. And then other publications asked me to write for them. And so I started writing for digital music news and music connection magazine and, um, and a bunch of others. And, uh, being able like writing for these other publications now gave me access to sit down with virtually anyone in the music industry that I wanted to talk to. And so that like before I was just some musician with a blog. Now I was a writer for digital music news who could literally talk to number three at Spotify or the head of red light management or this booking agent or any music supervisor I wanted. And so like, I took that responsibility very seriously. I'm like, okay, I'm the representative now of all musicians who wanted to ask these people questions, but no one had access. So I have to ask the questions. The voice of the people. Yeah. Right. And so, so, you know, I took it super seriously and I would be setting up interviews, like sometimes four interviews a week, just to, just to get as much knowledge and gain as much information as I could to then pass along to, uh, to the other musicians. And so then that kind of, um, you know, turned into the book deal. And I, uh, I then came out with the book three years ago, um, how to make it in the new music business. And, and, um, that's kind of how we, where, where we are now, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome, man. That's a good story. And, uh, you definitely speak to a lot of musicians who've like started from the ground up. And I think that's one thing that's really awesome about your blog. A lot of people can relate to you who are just like starting fresh and you share tons of different tips for the average musician to actually be able to make a career in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, I, thank you. And, and, um, I, I, you know, I try to pass along all the info there, there are many pathways and, and, and to success in music and, you know, success being just, uh, that's, that's the first thing is success is in the eye of the beholder. Success is very personal and it is defined differently by everyone. So, Mm -hmm. you know, no one can define success for you. Mm -hmm. And so that's what everyone needs to, uh, understand from the get go. And from the beginning is what does success mean for them? And, um, and you know, like personally, I define success as making a living, supporting the kind of lifestyle I'd like to have doing what I love. That's yeah. success for me. And yeah. so it's really important for every artist to uh, set up goals initially and like lay out concrete goals so they know what they're working towards. Because, you know, there are artists who are making livings um, just just digitally without touring, just putting up music on Spotify. And, uh, it's possible. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight, but it, it it definitely is possible. But then there are other artists like myself who love performing and they want to perform and they want to tour. And so, um, you know, doing the digital, uh, thing and just sitting at home, um, year in, year out is not something that is as, um, um, you know, inspiring to them. And so I think every artist needs to understand what is, um, you know, their goals are and what success looks like for them. 
That's true. Cause I know a lot of people, especially listeners on this podcast, uh, a lot of them are like producers, bedroom producers of sorts, Yeah. especially in electronic music. Cause Ableton has that draw and that and Ableton allows you to perform live on stage or just produce. And so you have a lot of people who maybe want to tour, maybe people who just want to upload music. So, yes. Um, and I love your book a lot that I read the first edition and it gives a lot of really practical tips on how people can make a career doing music. Um, mm -hmm. so I want to talk a lot about that too, and just going to get in some of the book highlights and some different takeaways. Sure. But so like, who would you say your, your book is for? Like if you had to describe it, like who's the, the perfect person to read? Sure. That? It's, it's primarily for, uh, independent artists, musicians, producers, songwriters. Uh, that's who it's written for. Um, and it's written for the artists and producers and who want to make a living with music. Uh, that's, that's basically it, you know, but a lot of people, uh, you know, the book has kindly been adopted by, uh, music business classrooms. Uh, a lot of management companies are now requiring their managers to read it. Uh, the book is being read by, you know, people at labels and booking agents. And so the book has been like widely read now in the music industry, but it is written primarily for musicians, producers, songwriters. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I love about your book, it talks a lot about spending your time carefully. Um, you talk about something called like mm -hmm. the 50, 50 split which is yeah. really good. You talk about, uh, rather than just spending all of your time making music, it's mm -hmm. really valuable to be also really good with the business side of things. And you show mm -hmm. a lot of practical tips as far as actually doing that. Yeah. Let, let's talk about the 50, 50 split, because I think that's yeah. a really important concept. Um, and I've actually updated, uh, and I, I, that concept for the second edition of the book. Um, so I can, I can touch on that now, Yeah, yeah please but do. basically what the 50, 50 split means is that, um, 50% of your time should be spent on the art, the music, the creation of that music, the creation of that art. And 50% of your time should be spent on the business, the promotion of that art. Um, you know, now the 50, 50 rule kicks into play, uh, once you start your music career. So for a lot of the people that are just getting started and they're honing their craft and maybe they're in school or maybe they're you know, working behind the scenes and they haven't actually started their career yet. They're spending a hundred percent of their time honing their craft, working on the art, creating their music. That's awesome. That's what they should be doing. Like that's the incubation stage. But once you've decided, okay, my music career has started and I'm ready to go for it. That's when the 50, 50 rule kicks into play. Now this isn't an everyday kind of thing. This isn't like, well, 1 PM hits the alarm goes off and I have to flip to the business. Now, like that's not feasible or practical. Like Personally, I can't flip on my business brain and my artist brain, flip it on and off at the, at the drop of a dime. Like yeah, I, no, I mean, if yeah. I'm going to be, yeah, <laughs> if I'm going to be working on my, my music and I'm going to be songwriting or something, that's an entire day for me. So I'll like, I won't do any business that day. I'm dedicating yeah. just this day. Yeah. You know, so like in the, when you're working on your album or on a new song or on your music, like, yeah, 80% of your time will be spent on just the music and this, you know, most days when you're kind of working it out. But then when you're, um, when you're going to release that album, then that, that ratio flips. Now 80% of your time will be spent on the business, the promotion of this, this album. And, you know, make sure 20% will still be spent on the art. So this 50, 50 rule, is over the course of your entire career, it will work out that way. And I think a lot of artists and producers, um, you know, they get caught up in the fun stuff, which is what we all want to be doing, which is the music. And they right. want to spend a hundred percent of the time on their music 
um, which sure we all do. But if you actually want to make it your career, you actually have to put in some time and effort into the business. Mm -hmm. Now I have also seen that go under the complete other end of the spectrum, believe it or not, for some artists who get so caught up with the business, they make like one album and they spend the next five years trying to just like work their career based on this one album. They don't write another song or get mm -hmm. back in the studio or make yeah. you know anything, make more music. And it's like, okay, you know, your career would probably move a lot quicker if you kept working at your craft and your art and kept creating better and better music. And, you know, kept releasing a constant stream of music because you're continuing to challenge yourself as an artist and become a better and better right. artist, producer, songwriter. Right. So, um, you know, it's really important to just kind of keep that in the back of your mind, this 50, 50 rule over the course of your entire career. Mm -hmm. Um, but now the 50, 50 rule isn't just about your time. It's also about your money. And so 50% of your money should be spent on the development and creation of your art, mm -hmm. buying gear, you know, um, all of that stuff. Um, and studio time, if you don't have your own home studio, mm -hmm. uh, hiring players, like that's all the creation of, of the art. And then 50% of your money should be spent on the promotion and marketing of that art. Mm -hmm. Now it sounds simple enough, but I know I see so many artists who are like, okay, they price out their album. It's gonna be like, all right, it's gonna be $10,000 for me to make this record. So they run a Kickstarter for $10,000. They get $10,000. They spend $12,000 on their album. And then when it's time for, to release that album, they have $27 to their name. <laughs> and then yeah. they wonder why no one's paying attention to their music. Right. So like even the greatest music ever made needs a bit of marketing money behind it. They need some mm -hmm. money to push it. That's why the label spends so much money on marketing. Yeah. That's why, you know, Spotify says that they get, uh, they release 40,000 new tracks a day on the platform, 40,000 new songs That's a, a day songs. on a Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, even if you're the greatest song ever written, it's going to be amongst the noise of the other 40,000 songs on Spotify yeah. that got released that day. Yeah. So how are you going to stick out just having a great song? Yes. That's step number one. And you absolutely need to have a great song, but that's the baseline. Now, how are you going to get that song to poke out from all the other 40,000 songs that were sure. released this day? Yeah, no, that's very true. So let's talk about some practical tips, like in your book, as far as sure. actually getting your music out there. I mean, what was that? How many was released today on Spotify? You said 40,000 40, songs 40, a day are released that's on Spotify. That's a lot of music. Yeah. That's a lot of so, music. That's a lot of music. <laughs> so, I mean, as far as getting your name out there, you talk in the previous book a lot about different tips and strategies and creating like a content calendar and things like that, as far as getting your music out, yes. um, mm -hmm. which I think is really valuable. And honestly, it sounds so simple, but the way you laid it out was very like practical step-by-step step. and it works. Like when you actually discipline yourself to take these practical steps to actually get your music out there, you had that's some, awesome to hear. Yeah. Get some good things to share for sure. So Thank you. What, are, what are some ways that people can start to get their music noticed, I guess, online? Sure. So I, I think, you know, from the beginning, from the get-go, you have to identify who you're targeting, who your target fan base is, who your target demographic is, your potential fans are, um, because it it's different based on every artist, every genre of music, and every fan. So for instance, if you're targeting only people who are 55 and up, 
55 years old and older. Um, obviously you don't want to spend all of your efforts on Instagram and Snapchat. That's not where they live. That's not where they are online. You should be spending most of your efforts on Facebook. That's where they are online. So it's really important to understand that. Similarly, if you're only targeting teens and tweens and like college age kids and early 20 somethings, TikTok, sure. Um, right. Um, you don't want to be putting all your efforts into Facebook. Um, and so that's, uh, that's like step number one is identifying who your fans are. And so like, I encourage everybody to make a list and write it like an our fans list of just like your, who you think your target fan is. And maybe you make a, a list of 20, um, thing, uh, just like 20, uh, identifiers of who you think your fans are where they live, uh, geographically. Sure. But like based on it's, it's, it's like a marketing exercise. It's kind of like, okay, uh, where do they hang out? Are they at coffee shops? Are they at skate parks? Uh, you know, what are their interests? What do they like doing, uh, on the weekends? You know, uh, how old are they male, female, uh, non-binary? Like who are they? Who are they? LGBTQ? Are they Christian, Jewish, atheist? What? Like, because once you have this list, then you can figure out, okay, now where do these people exist online? Um, maybe they're in private Facebook groups based on one of the interests that you outlined. Like he's an electronic artist named, um, FM 84. Um, you might know him, um, based out of San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, Well, basically, uh, the, the headline is when his album came out, it shot to, um, number one in three categories on Bandcamp, including synthwave, um, pop category and, and, um, and San Francisco, but also it shot to, uh, it charted on the Spotify viral, uh, top 50. And he got, I think 200,000 streams within the first week and totally independent artists. It's like, okay, how did he do this? Um, basically, Oh, and he got added to all of these playlists and Spotify playlists. That's why he got 200,000 streams within the first week. Um, he was a part of the synth wave private Facebook group of just other synth wave music lovers. And there were uh, 20,000 people in this group and he was an active member. He was just a member, just like everybody else. He wasn't incessantly promoting his music. He was just, just like everyone else. And he's also a graphic designer. And so he'd be posting, um, graphics for his new record, uh, or like just, album cover ideas and asking people with their thoughts. So they're kind of in on, he's like, Hey, I'm about to release my, my first single of my new album. Uh, this thing I've been working on. What do you think? Which, which album cover should I run with? And so people were talking and he was engaging them. And then when the song came out, the whole group kind of felt rallied around his music. And so that's, that's, he, he started with, this is where this audience is. So it's like, Mm -hmm once you identify who your audience is, then you look at where do they live online? Are they going to be in private Facebook groups? Are they going to be, um, you know, on various Instagram accounts? Like for instance, there's this Instagram, um, account called pickup music and they feature, they're all about kind of instrumental, uh, instrumental prowess. And they feature, uh, it's like jazz soul funk is their main genre focus and yeah, pickup music. And so it's mostly like bedroom artists, bedroom musicians kind of playing guitar, their instrument or whatever it is from their bedroom. Um, but they have 550,000 followers on this account. And, you know, uh, there's this artist, um, Corey Henry, who's one of the the greatest living keyboard players today. Um, he was in like Aretha Franklin's band and he's, he's doing a solo thing right now. Um, and basically when he released his, one of his new songs, he teamed up with pickup this Instagram account and what they did was basically, uh, in one of Corey Henry's songs, he rips this 
incredible keyboard solo for two minutes. Um, so what they did this contest with the pickup community, they're like, okay, um, we're going to, uh, give you the stems to this song, basically the instrumental of this song, uh, with his keyboard solo muted, download the song, uh, and then, uh, record yourself ripping a solo during the solo section because we've muted his, his solo yeah. and then put it on your Instagram, put it on your Instagram hashtag, uh, trade it all was the name of the song. So hashtag pick up trade it all. And put that hashtag and then tag Corey Henry and tag pickup. And so because of this, uh, it got, I think a couple million impressions based on all of the people who are posting on their Instagram account. A lot of them had tens of thousands of Instagram followers to download the stems. You had to actually give Corey Henry your email. And so he got thousands of new email addresses, mm -hmm. uh, for his email list. And then he not only got, I think got, um, 20,000 new Instagram followers just in that time of the campaign, but also his song when it came out because of all of this promo instantly shot up on, on, uh, the, the viral charts. And also he got like a few hundred thousand streams within the first month yeah. because it's like, Oh, pick a music community is all about instrumental prowess, jazz, soul, and funk. Corey yeah. Henry is an instrumental genius. He's one of yeah. the greatest living keyboard players. So like our audience lives there. This is where they live. So yeah. once you identify who your audience is, you can find out where they are and where they live. It's yeah. not just as broad as, Oh, they are on Instagram or, Oh, they are on Facebook. Sure. You know, FM 84 found them on, um, the Facebook group, the private group, Corey Henry is like, Oh no, they're part of this pickup Instagram account and elsewhere, you know, and then, um, I also talk about in the second edition, uh, direct marketing, which basically just utilizes Facebook and Instagram ads. Um, and so you can identify where your audience is and run ads, basically like put a quick 15 second video and, and show this video to people you think will be your fans. And if they like it, they'll swipe through, uh, click through, and then they'll, they'll find you on Spotify or Instagram or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's what the course you were talking about before is, um, that we're sure. teaching how to do that now. Um, so, so yeah, those are just some ideas. Yeah. I love the quote. Um, it says like, if you're on social media, you're renting your fans. If you're, yes. if you have email, then you actually own them. And that's, that's a great quote. And it's true. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to reach a lot of people. And from what you were saying is a lot of it is just finding that community and finding that tribe to connect with people. And yeah, um, right. That, that concept, the renting versus owning, I mean, basically any of these social platforms can change their terms, terms overnight and you lose access to your fans or you have to now pay to reach your fans or the platform dies and you lose your entire right. <laughs> uh, connection to your audience. Like what happened with vine, uh, or what happened, you know, with MySpace, MySpace. a decade ago. Yeah. And of course, classic, yep. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. who was, yeah. who was it? The guy that started MySpace? Tom, Tom, Tom. thank you, Tom. I, I wonder how many friends he still has. After all that. <laughs> right. Always, I know he was always everybody's friend, right? When you first, uh, when you first joined MySpace. Everybody yeah. He was everyone's friend. Everybody yeah. Friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but you also talk about tips for booking more shows. I mean, for me, and I know a lot of listeners here, they're wanting to play more live shows. Um, yeah. Is there mm -hmm. any updates with the new book talking more specifically about that at all? Absolutely. I mean, there, uh, a lot of etiquette has evolved in terms of how to book live shows. Uh, platforms have evolved EPKs. I talk about EPKs in the second edition. I didn't even mention EPK in the first edition. Um, basically EPK is an electronic press kit. And that's, uh, basically you can create, uh, it's just kind of 
like a one sheet is what some people refer to them as. Um, it's, it's just kind of like this, it's a, a one sheet or an EPK electronic press kit is basically just a page that you make of all your accolades, um, music videos. Uh, it's just all the important information that any person in the industry would want to get as a quick glance to who you are or when you're booking a show. Um, it's, you know, live video and your music, it's right there. It's super easy. It's all on a page. This is a lot of times people are doing this as a hidden page on their website because this isn't meant for the public and it's not meant for, for fans. This is meant, um, just for industry people. So whether it's going to be, uh, a blogger, uh, you can send them that cause it has, you know, some press quotes. It has your press release, all of that stuff, your bios on this. Um, so I talk all about EPKs, um, and then how to contact talent buyers and promoters and how to get opening slots. So if you want to open for bigger artists, I, I kind of go a bit in deeper on how to secure opening tours, opening slots, um, and then really how to build up, um, you know, that audience and that touring business. Um, but, but I always like to say that, um, you should really start local. Um, it's, uh, the most important thing is to, to really find this local community, your local scene and, and really, uh, cut your teeth locally because you know, I, I use a analogy, um, you know, you don't join a NASCAR race before you have your driver's license. So you can't, you don't want to book a 60 date tour without playing lo- a few shows locally. That's right. the same kind of concept. Uh, yeah. you have to, you have to become a great live performer. And the only way to become a great live performer is to perform a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the, I think a lot of artists, especially younger artists, um, put the cart before the horse and they start booking all these shows before they're really ready. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, you know, early on when you're just kind of getting started and you've never really performed, take any gig and every gig. And honestly, take the, the local charity events, the benefit concerts, play your, your, you know, cousins, bar mitzvah, whatever, like literally play everything and anywhere, just you need performance experience. And then once you've like, you feel comfortable and confident and people are actually like coming up to you with your friends with disbelief in their eyes at like, complimenting you at the shows like, Whoa, you're okay, actually you good. good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause everyone thinks, you know, they're from here supporting my friend, but it's like, right. Whoa, no, you're, you're really, really good. Yeah. No, no, no. You're not listening to me. You're really good. Right. That's when you can then start to book your real shows at the clubs and start charging people to come to your shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I talk about, unfortunately, uh, the pay to play phenomenon that's really caught on, um, which, yeah, I'm very against, uh, you know, don't pay to play shows. Don't pay, don't buy tickets in advance and have to resell them. Um, I've heard of so many horror stories, especially in the last couple of years of, um, uh, you know, they call themselves either promoters or talent buyers or whatever the shady ass, uh, people who just like say, Oh, you want to open for Wiz Khalifa at this club in front of 1500 people, Venmo me a thousand dollars and I'll put you on for 15 minutes. They Venmo him a thousand dollars. He shows up. Oh, guess what? He shows up to the club and they're like, we don't know who you are. We've never heard of this promoter. You're not on the bill. Get out of here. You can't even get in. Oh yeah. No, they're straight up scammed. It's like, (laughs) like, (laughs) right. Because artists, but that's the problem is that if artists don't educate themselves, they don't understand that this is not how it works. And so they think it's like, Oh, this guy says I can open for Wiz Khalifa if I pay him a thousand dollars. No dude, you're not going to open for him. And if you think you are, 
you haven't done your research. So you show up and of course you're not on the bill. Of course, this right. guy just took it, scammed right. you for a thousand dollars. Like, right. don't be an idiot. Thanks you know, and his account on Venmo <laughs> disappears a week later. Right. Of course. <laughs> of course. So it's like, you got to do your research. You got to learn a little bit before yeah. you start. That's the cart before yeah. the horse. You got to right. get the education and understand how this right. works. Well, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think any real promoter is going to want to see you have some success first if they're going to book you for such a huge show like that or actually see you live or know that you're Mm -hmm. good enough to actually do it rather than just forcing you to pay for it. No, that, that's absolutely true. You have to understand the purpose of um, why you're getting put on as an opener. The reason that um, you are put on the show as an opener, as a local opener, uh, is to bring people out. Otherwise, the artist would bring on their own tour support. They would bring on their own artists as their opener. So if they're asking the promoter for a local opener for an artist in town, that's because they don't think they can sell out the club on their own. And they need that buffer in the audience for your, maybe you can bring 50 people. So it's, um, you know, that's the reason they're putting you on. It's not because, I mean, sure. They want to match the vibe and the energy of the headliner and they want your music to be similar and all of that, but they're not doing it to help you out. They're doing it because you can bring an audience and you can bring a crowd. And so like they are expecting you to pull your weight and they're expecting you to bring your audience. And so you really want to remember that going into it. I think artists is like, Oh yeah, they're going to put me on because they think I'm the most amazing musician. No, come on. They've never heard your music before. Yeah, (laughs) right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, in, in your book, you, you're very specific about even how to get those opportunities. Like you talk about crafting an email template and and who to send that to and how to find that person. And so that's one thing Mm -hmm. I I keep talking about the book because, you know, I invited you on here for a reason because I really believe that you have some amazing things to share with a lot of artists who are wanting to start playing shows or just getting started. don't know where to start. So there's a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah. I would definitely encourage anybody to go check it out. We'll include links in the show notes as well. And people can buy that as an audiobook on Amazon. Uh, yeah, um, site. Where else? Where else? Can uh, Amazon is, is a great way. Make sure you're looking at the second edition on Amazon. Um, that one's released November fifth, but the pre-order, depending on where you're listening to this, is probably already out at this point. Um, I'm currently recording the audiobook as we speak, so it will be out um, wherever you get audiobooks, Audible or, or whatnot, um, as well. That's coming out a few weeks after the hardcover comes out. Um, but yeah, and it'll be on Kindle and all that stuff. So wherever you, wherever you get books, you can find the book. I wish I would have bought the hardcover version because I had to like, you still can, I keep yelling at Alexa (laughs) to rewind. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've, actually, there's a quite a few people who've told me that they bought all three versions. They bought the audio version, the hardcover and the Kindle version. (laughs) So they just have it wherever they are and they can highlight and they can bookmark and all that stuff. I'm like, Oh yeah. Super fans. And we love those, right? Those are the best. Exactly. Exactly. So, but I also want to talk briefly about brass roots districts. Sure. What's, happening with that that's your band it's you and another girl yeah so the permanent members um so it's me and nina story um but we are actually playing we we have alter egos in this project so i don't uh, my the lead singer of brassers district is not ari hersan it's copper jones so i play copper jones in the project and nina plays ursa major and it's a 10-piece funk soul project uh we perform around la it's a it's a throwback 1973 uh funk soul ensemble so so this band exists in 1973 we don't exist uh in 2020 
Um, and uh, so we, uh, everything that we do is a 1973 funk soul experience. And so when you come to a Brass Roots District show, you dress up, we have people walking around from the era. We have a, you know, a writer from Cream Magazine who's going around interviewing people about their experience and about the show. Uh, we have a Nixon uh, protester, like a hippie protester screaming to impeach Nixon. Uh, we got, you know, like, awesome. so it's, it's a full experience, but yeah, we do all original music. So it's all, um, we have a, a record, we have four songs out right now. A record's coming next year. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's all original stuff, but it's, uh, it's of that era. That's great, man. I love it. Yeah. I'm all about Thanks. the funk these days too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe one totally. of these days I'll get to go out there and catch a show in LA for sure. Hell yeah. I'm actually going to be down there for the Ableton certified training rounds in January. So nice. if you have a show in January, maybe I'll, I'll let out. you know. Yeah. Hell yeah. Do, for sure. Nice. Be a good time. But yeah, man, I know you're busy. Just wanted to rep your book and see your face Thank you. and say, Hey, and hopefully yeah. get more people out to check out the book. Everybody right coming out November 5th. Coming out November 5th, um, the, uh, yeah, it, but p- pre-order is available now. It's actually the number one best-selling music business book on Amazon right now, the, the new edition. Dude, so it's, uh, the, the pre-order is going strong. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Thank you. For good reasons. Absolutely. Cool, dude. Well, Hey, I'll let you go. Thanks for coming out on the podcast. I'll have this posted and, uh, yeah, dude, I'll see you another time very soon. All right. Sounds good. Cool. Thanks so much, man.